life's a rodeo, and all you have to do is stay in that saddle here on Beecher Please. A heinous trip in Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I shot a carpenter bee with a pellet rifle, and I cut it in half today. I'm your co-host, Peter. It's you. You're channeling the moment. You're you're grabbing your 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 six shooter, mm-hmm. going out and you're you're taking out some desperados. Bees trying to chew holes in the side of my house. Peter, I have nothing but tremendous sympathy for your homeownership struggles as of late. They have been significant. Having a house means being at war with nature twenty four seven. And this time of year, it's the carpenter bees. I'm I'm so proud of myself for shooting that bee with a rifle from about 20 feet away, like you, pat on the you, back. Do you have like a Red Dead Redemption 2, like dead eye moment? You know, I, as with many video games, like, I don't know what was going on. I completely missed the fact you could go dead eye. And I didn't know dead eye was a thing until like at the very end when they kill you. You got through that entire game without using the the slow motion slow motion like yeah even more impressive than that was the fact my wife got in deep as deep in fallout 3 as she did without knowing vats existed and that was a monumental achievement that is actually much harder to do i i can actually see a path through playing red dead redemption 2 and never using dead eye because the gunplay plays tight enough particularly if you're playing in first person in an underrated way to play that game in my opinion that you could you could get away with that, but man, Fallout Three with no vats, damn, yeah, that's dedication, big time. Some bed, we have some big time dedication in terms of production design this week. Some big time dedication in terms of wanting not to do an episode of Star Trek and instead go play in some extra Paramount set pieces. I, I disagree, but we'll get into it. What what did we watch this week? We went into season three, episode nine, North Star, first aired the 12th of November, 2003, written by David Goodman, directed by David Stryden. I think that this episode is in the grand tradition of Star Trek doing weird genre pieces, particularly this was the case in TOS. They had the famous, they go to the mobster planets episode. They have the famous, we go to the Rome planet episode. They used to pull this trick all the time. And they found a way to go to the, let's go to the Western planet episode. And does it belong in season three? No, 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 it does not. Not at all. This needed to be a season two episode. Super bad. And let's, explore super bad it it wasn't a super bad episode and if you would have put this let's call it nonsense (laughs) into season two it would have been a wonderful oasis to get us out of the the hot and heavy season poo the dregs the shitty shitty lows we had to go through this this would have been a great departure but you have had a conversation at some level and decided, hey, we need to pull our head out of our ass. We need to have a cohesive story with some urgency. We're going to tap into this terrorist 24 Twin Towers attack. There's going to be a fucking, you know, do or die mission. And that is going to be the primary focus of season three. And then they go off to fucking Westworld. (laughs) 
for no goddamn reason. Right after they had actually really started to bring the heat on like developing the meta plot and, you know, things are complex enough that you got to start having previously on, uh, you know, which they didn't do. And I would have almost appreciated that because there was a lot of Star Trek this week. I watched what four episodes of Picard over two days and then watched this one last night. And I was like, man, this is a rough ge- switch of gears here. <laughs> it's watch, watching these highly produced 2023 20, television shows and then switching over to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, is my, we, we have our interests, right, Peter? I know you're a big fan of like Jurassic Park, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my thing, my like weird thing, I love Westerns. So the fact that. That you didn't really get into Westworld is, is, insane to me not for a lack of trying uh i thought season one was very good season one was amazing after that it was just like i don't know where the show is going and i'm got to neither did the showrunners yeah nobody knew where the show is going season one is great it's just unfortunate that the rest of it just like had no point they kind of pulled it together by the last season and for them not to get renewed for a season after that uh what's his name the hbo guy zakharov Zaslov Zaslov dude's got no fucks either make money money or GTFO uh it would have been cool if they could have gotten another season of Westworld in but they they shit the bed they could lay in it so this guy we are off to the races from the very beginning how western is this episode this episode is so western it starts with a lynching (laughs) like straight off the bat we're gonna like we got we got twang in the in the musical uh, uh, notes at the beginning, like very solid, like generic Western themes. They are on a set. It's an outdoor Western set. It's probably going to seem familiar to you because it's literally Western Town from Universal Studios. On that, real quick, too. Yeah, <clears throat> it's funny listening to you frame this episode from a TOS standpoint, Roman world. Western world, whatever. I didn't watch all the TOS episodes. Like I saw the big ones, but I've never sat down and categorically watched every one of them. Me watching this. This is a holodeck episode, but you don't have a holodeck. So you got to like do it for real. Yeah. I mean, that's what they turned in TOS. It was go to mobster planet in TNG. It turned into go to the holodeck program. That is your, um, you know, your your Marlowe detective story. Dixon or, Hill and Redbrook takes over. And you go on to uh, Robin Hood one of the times. And then DS9, there's there's a whole episode that's a James Bond. <laughs> like, Well, TNG too, Fistful yeah. of Data's, right? Yes. Yes, which they, they mentioned in the, the production notes here that they tried to be more serious because Fistful of Data's was farcical on purpose. It was a comedy episode. So they're trying to be you know, deliver something a little bit more, more genuine here. We, we, we don't have any context for what's going on, except some guy they call a skag is being lynched. Not Borderlands <laughs> three, sadly. No, not Borderlands three. And that's the end of the prologue. And, you know, in, in the tradition that we've had the last few weeks, we have something horrific happen in the teaser. And then we go, dun, 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 it's a long road. murder. It's a long road. They didn't even break his neck. They let him just fucking asphyxiate. Yeah. That's like you know, hanging the, the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. 
he they got the carotene treatment. <laughs> That's even the worst way possible. There's yeah, your next yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Cystrate, are you carotene choke yourself to death? The carotene treatment is getting choked to death and then the humiliation to your family for finding out you Yeah. Like if who in David Carradine's family decided to inform the public that he died from autoerotic asphyxiation? Because every time you see the man and anything that he ever did, all you can think is like, that is a dude who choked himself to death. I don't know, man. I watch Kill Bill and, and I see Bill. But anything else, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you right now, my dad probably loved this episode. My dad was big, is big on Westerns. And this seems like a really great intersection of many things he likes. I'm sure he would have appreciated some more revealing outfits on to Paul, but it's the Cowboys. It's the laser guns. It's the spacemen. It's a feel good rootin' tootin' shootin' adventure. Uh, Goddamn is Enterprise a boomer show. And I'm not talking about people born in space. Completely agreed. I that this is absolutely intended for an older audience. Uh, it is also one of the more lavishly uh, produced in terms of detail because the costumes on everyone are fantastic in this episode. The Western gear is just immaculately done for trip and for Archer and even for like to Paul's like homesteader dress and the sheriff the deputy's and, fuzzy hat. I like yeah, that. The evil deputy like is very like grimy. I mean, they just really the decided like we're going to do the Western episode. We're going to be fucking in it to win it because you don't have to try. These outfits are just laying around. You've got yeah. probably warehouses full of this kind of shit. You don't have warehouses of uh, a planet with multiple sentient species that destroyed their planet and gets scattered to the four winds. And this is the aggressive reptile shock trooper. It's like, you don't have a warehouse full of that. And that's why you end up with <laughs> God. Talk to David who really has, has a lot of that for some reason. He just brought it in one day after the, after a long weekend. Just, yeah. That's why you end up with like these studio 54 gel purple disco suits that look awful versus stuff like this. We're like, yeah, we, Paramount knows Westerns. We've done many Westerns. Would you like to play in our Western world with all of our Western clothes? It's going to look really great. Here you go. It's got all the props. You know, we even have like the bit actors who know how to do the things. You know, the the there are three guest stars in this. It is the school teacher, the relatively benign sheriff, and then the evil deputy who's like really just a gangster with a veneer of respectability classic western tropes and the guy who plays the sheriff uh who's a guy named mccready which is just like a great western sheriff name if there ever was one uh is glenn morshower who i remember from 24 he was like in every season of 24 he was like a secret service agent like the person who was like trying to protect the president which obviously a big deal because those shows had a lot to do with murdering the president a lot I recognize him from uh, TNG. Yeah, he has had a few other Trek uh, appearances. Looks like this dude's a powerhouse, man. This is uh, the tactical officer from like season one. 
the guy, he was a, uh, I think he was in Generations. He was like an Enterprise B navigator. Uh, Scotty kicks him out of his seat when they take over. And then he was from that Tuvok episode of TNG where they try to steal the warp plasma during the, when they're like defragging the, the D. Uh, they, he was, oh, wow. He was the, the head Jack booty guy in resistance on Voyager. What? Yeah. Or he was one of the guards. He might have been one of the guards that was in the promo about Janeway, like selling her body or something. I'll suck you off. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely done some Trek here and then I'm taking a look at it, but I remember him from 24 and he's just got this voice and capacity to like deliver on authoritarian like dialogue that's very well done. He's a great guy to cast as your old West sheriff. I'm surprised he didn't have some sort of a Deadwood credit, honestly. So we see the lynching. We get back in. And we find our uh, heroic trio, Trip to Paul Archer, walking around with cowboy shit, eyeballing things. And there I am in my notes. Why the fuck are they fooling around with this bullshit? And that's the first major strike against this episode is at no point do they ever establish what does any of this have to do with his indie threat? Not not once. They established that they're like, why the fuck are humans here? We should investigate this, which, again, if this wasn't season three, there was a ticking time bomb on preventing Earth from getting destroyed by that 20 times out of 10. No problem. Great episode premise. We literally have done it before, but Terra Nova for- done right. Ah, no, Terra Nova was still pretty good in my book. In 30, terms 37 is done right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But the this now, yeah, they needed to establish a bridge to be like, we, we traced something here. Something came by here. This place has something. Oh, they're also human. What is, how is this playing into what's going on? Maybe they like originally found human DNA. Like they could have tied it in through a million different ideas. Especially... Since unlike 37s, there is no active alien technology present here at all. No EM signatures, no power sources, no nothing. This is just a populated planet, as far as the Enterprise would have been concerned, flying by. How in the fuck they decided, hey, let's fly down and take a closer look. Oh my gosh, there's humans here. <gasps> wow. Let's 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 get dressed up in this bespoken Western garb, right? And let's let's talk this for a second. Does Enterprise have some sort of clothing replicator? I don't think so. I think they probably just like went, you know, scoped it out in the same way they were scoping out the Olive Garden planet. And once they realized it was Western gear, I'm like, okay, well, let's just steal some of it and put it on. Give me my scene then where the three of them fly down the shuttle into Paul stands there by the clothesline and takes her shirt off and I see erect nipples and she, she gets dressed three times okay. over. I mean, you can only play that card once. We already had our carbon Creek. Well, they did it twice in carbon Creek, I believe. So <laughs> I never how dare you, Joe? Up. I just watched fucking Rajin. You're going to tell me that all of a sudden there's morals and scruples on the set. Is it because Roxanne Dawson wasn't associated with this production? We couldn't do it. I would also really like to have gone. You don't have to do the universal translator bit every episode, but you have to do it once or twice just to say these are considerations they're making. 
hey, here we are on an alien planet or orbiting an alien planet. We can't just replicate the clothes. I, I want to see a like read or trip like hunched over the, the transporter, like sniping clothes out of someone's dresser or off a clothesline or maybe just off a drunk who's passed out and they steal all the clothes and they steal fucking guns. That's the other thing. Like where, where did they get these pistols from their pack in here? <laughs> I just like the idea that this beamed up someone's dresser. <laughs> just like, all right, that's what we got. Oh, cool. oh there's, a no. Navy, there's a Navy cold in here. Sweet. Unfortunately, there's only two adult males worth of clothing in here. To Paul, you're going to have to wear this toddler jacket. And she's like, well, if it's all the same, Captain, can I just wear my body massage outfit? Because that's also a toddler jacket. This place is so Old West that when they're on the surface, there is an Old Westy field and grain. Did you notice? No. When they're in the town, it's got this like, it's like they put a fucking Instagram filter over it of like Old Westy. <laughs> and then they go back up to the ship later and it's, just like crisp and clean and it's like the normal color correction. And you're like, Oh, that was on purpose. (laughs) Like you were, it wasn't just like accident by a happy accident. You were really just purposely put a film grain over your Western footage. So what happens in this episode is they get down there. Archer sends off a trip into Paul to investigate what's going on because on this planet, there are a bunch of humans, about 6,000 humans, across multiple settlements. And then there's aliens that are uh, way lower quantities. And the aliens mostly seem to be congregated in its own separate settlement. So Trip and Paul get dispatched to go find that, where Trip trades away his harmonica, which he we know he has. He plays it in his quarters, right? I mean, he is from Florida. But I mean, they've shown him going to town, like him in his diving helmet. And this harmonica just rocking out, which he never gets a harmonica back, right? He takes a horse, never returns a horse. So that harmonica is gone. And if I see that fucking harmonica in his hand again, I'm going to say bullshit. Off they go. And then Archer, being the consummate Boy Scout he is, decides to go get involved with the plight of the poor species on this planet. The the Skagellans? Skag- Skagellians? Yeah, something like that. Skagen. Skagarin. Uh, Skagarin. Skagens are watch, I think. Uh, he goes into the bar, gets a coffee. I like how the the commerce here. He's like, uh, you, what, what, do you, "What do you have to drink, Mister?" Oh, nothing. But can I just loiter and wait around? Sure, have some free coffee. <laughs> it's it's the, the land nicest, before Denny's. The the nicest old west bartender. You know, absolutely. Just, everyone's a great stereotype. You got the affable bartender who's just wanting to serve drinks and talk about who's related to the original ancestor that. Uh, overthrew the the skags as they call them uh you've got the the greasy deputy and his ne'er-do-wells who come in bragging about how they they executed a man last night we do have a brief moment where the sheriff is talking to the school master and talks about you know like he didn't want the guy to get murdered like that but at the same time he was still like going to go to trial for having apparently killed someone and there, there's some clear institutional racism, but the deputy's the asshole and the sheriff is trying to strike some sort of balance. And when the deputy comes in, he starts antagonizing the serving boy at the uh, at the saloon, who is one of the aforementioned skags, who are just 
uh, in a throwback to the Delta Quadrant, a human with some shit on their head. There's some shit on his throat, too. Not the worst costume we've seen, and, and I can let it slide. It's fine. It serves its purpose. You see that they're alien. That's so the, the, point of, the point of the Skagen is they are tolerated on the planet, but they are second class citizens. Uh, that even though the Skagen was acting in self-defense, he still killed a human. And for that, it's a death penalty. And as you said, the sheriff would have liked to see him go to trial. But the deputy just lynched him instead. And, and the school teacher, headmistress, we see obviously has strong sympathies towards the Skags. So Archer gets involved, gets the deputy to kind of leave the Skagen whipping boy alone. Uh, but it puts Archer on the town leadership's radar. McCready, the sheriff, tells his deputy Make sure this guy leaves. Keep an eye on him. Make sure he leaves. And uh, also chill the fuck out and leave the kid, al- the skagging boy alone. You know, you're making my job tougher than it needs to be. The backstory we get about the Skagarans is that they apparently kidnapped a bunch of humans from the 1860s Earth to use as slave labor to build a colony. The problem is that the humans that they kidnapped in 1860s earth happened to be gnarly, you know, freedom loving libertarian Western Americans. <laughs> and so they apparently six months after being kidnapped by space aliens had had enough of their bullshit and killed them and threw over through them, which sounds exactly like what, you know, settler Americans <laughs> would have fucking done. <laughs> that's if that was my uh, red dead, Redemption character. That that's how that would went down too. Yeah. Uh, here's why this works. Unlike thirty sevens, because we're not in the fucking Delta Quadrant. It's not a bajillion years away. Uh, this is well within the realm of what warp should be capable of. And I wonder, you know, you go back two hundred years. Would the Delphic? I guess that might be some plot cheating. How long, how long has the Delphic Expanse been a weird nebula-encompassed hellhole? That is part of the plot of the season. So, so it's, it's very possible that maybe those spheres had not been activated and it would have been easy for the, the Skags to transport them over. It's now, possible, yes. I also like that since we're in like this weird Wild West era... And you've got a bunch of settlers and other people who should have been pretty handy. Did they say what the initial kidnapping pool was? Oh, yeah, they didn't say. Yeah, they didn't say how many. Uh, There's 6,000, like you said, that are there now. Do you remember we said the minimum viability would have been for the 37s colony to be able to operate without like becoming super inbred? Yeah, like have enough genetic diversity. So I'm curious where the math is on that. I didn't read the memory alpha on this, but because 30, and I can't remember what the. Well, uh, we, we find out that they've been breeding with the, the Skagarans. So there is an X factor there in terms of genetic diversity. So we'll, we'll say it's enough, like that their current circumstances are allowing them to persist. And like you said, they're, they're settlers. They're, well, yeah, that's they're, what they're I'm handy. To. They're like, oh, we're on an alien planet. Eh, fuck it. Let's go. You know, like nothing as well. Might as well be, you know, the Arizona territory with nobody in it, you know, except now we're on a different planet. Minus some of the guns. 
you know, all the buildings and all the other stuff. Interesting. Also, they have horses. So it was nice the aliens to bring some horses along. Unless those are like exo horses. <laughs> they could have glued some baloney on the horses. They face secretly have three dicks. <laughs> They've been interbreeding with the horses, too. That's how we keep that population so healthy. Oh, they didn't show the centaur people, though. But, you know, if you could go out to the Badlands and the gold rush of California, they're, they're building towns from scratch out there that these guys over the course of 250 years or whatever. That's what it was. 250, right? Correct. Yeah. That they should be able to build something close to what they had at home. I you start getting into like pistols and stuff. Then that's some fancy metal work in there. But again, 250 years, I buy them. I, I think you can, I can even buy the idea that they're able to produce the level of mechanical technology present in the late 1860s. Like you're talking about stuff like nothing more complex than what a, a revolver. The lazy Four part million. in all of this is that their technology and their culture, and that becomes a focal point, especially in the social justice arena that they have not advanced realistically a day beyond the day that they were uh, extradited from the uh, the planet Earth. But <clears throat> I get it. You, you want to tell a Western you can't have weird offshoot goofy looking technology. That That's not the story you're trying to tell here. So after Archer takes the measure of the local villain and the local sheriff, of course, goes to talk to the local school teacher and the school teacher has already found out that Archer is sympathetic to the Skagarans and he Archer elects to accompany the school teacher uh, on her trip to what they call Skagtown, which is where the aliens apparently live, where she is going to engage in some uh, secret education because it apparently is against the the laws of the human rulers of this now uh, planet to teach the Skagarans anything to like help them read. They, they, they exist as a serving class and a serving class alone. And of course, our schoolmaster here, uh, she has got a bleeding heart and she wants to bring education uh, to the Skagaran children. Skagtown is interesting because Skagtown is the remnants of the alien ship that had transported the humans to the colony. And uh, for being 250 years old out in a desert planet, this thing has held up amazingly well. Uh, but this is where Archer starts taking some real interest and in trying to learn the history of it. Unfortunately, the, uh, the, the lesson gets cut short by deputy fuzzy hat coming in and saying, you know, the rules, this is illegal. There's a little exchange of, uh, some fisticuffs. And by the end, the school teacher and Archer are taken, uh, are get arrested, dragged back to town. It is very important, though, that in these fisticuffs, Archer got what he came for in coming and doing so, which is, of course, a head. Yeah, coming. <laughs> like, like, I just, every single, uh, you know, I'm glad we could find a new thing. You know, like, I didn't know what Enterprise's thing would be, right? Like, Voyager's mm -hmm. thing was the space pipe or... Snarf, snarf, dumping people into hell. We got, we had all th a bunch of things, but like, there's an enduring trope. This is the space. This is the shuttlecraft exploding 
of Voyager. It is Archer's repeated They get into Skag Town. He meets up with T'Pol and Trip, and they go, hey, look, we got some fucking Lego pieces we're going to try and pass off as memory chips. And then Archer goes, yeah, well, why don't you guys go back to the ship and give me like five minutes alone here? Because I think I got a pretty good chance of picking a fight with this <laughs> hillbilly deputy. And uh, daddy needs to clean the pipes, if you know what I mean. So he, he sends his subordinates away. And the first chance he gets, Archer's jumping in front of them fists, getting bumped upside the head, rolling man, man, around. Looks mo- like he might pistol whip me. <sighs> <laughs> Teacher watching him get hit in the head, fall over and tent post in his pants. <laughs> I can't do this in front of my crew. They can't know my filthy secret. Also, they're not willing to like indulge and play along with it anymore. So he just treats every alien planet he goes to like the holodeck. And it's just another chance to get off without the crew. Disposable sexual adventures that he's saddling uh, new civilizations with that he will never visit again. As the school teacher who's named Bethany cleans up his erection and or head wound, uh, there's a little bit more backstory. You know, this is why what I just why we got arrested. It's illegal to teach them anything. She seems very like, yeah, me and the sheriff, we don't get along real well. I'll figure it out. You, though, you might be in some shit. <laughs> You're not from well, around these parts. I like that the um, uh, I like that the deputy before he hauls Archer back into town tells Archer sheriff gave you a chance to leave too bad you didn't take and it's like archer could be like like laying there but like i i did leave i literally left the fucking town i came here (laughs) now you're attacking me and dragging me back to the town like i did listen once archer is hauled in front of the sheriff i think is when the, the episode blossoms into something a bit more than just the aesthetics and becomes something a little bit more compelling drama wise in which the sheriff who's clearly very conflicted to some degree about the order he has to enforce has a conversation with Archer and talks about, you know, we can't overjudge on a moral basis what we're doing because the species that we are now subjugating literally kidnapped our ancestors from earth and enslaved them. We know there, there, there's there's an evil space race out there who's looking to oppress humans. I'm not in favor of it. The the meeting with the sheriff goes down like this. He sends a hillbilly deputy out to fetch him from the jail mm-hmm. and bring him to. I don't know if it's office or if he's just hanging out at the barber, but he's getting a shave. And then Archer comes in. and He's like, hey, you want to shave? Nothing helps you feel civilized like a nice shave. And then Archer's like, no. And he's like, cool. Well, here, you know, let's have some whiskey. It's supposed to be illegal, but I keep some around. I'm going to bro you up. I'm going to give you, you know, the nice heart to heart. Like maybe you don't understand what's going on here. And through all of this, I'm like, I, are, are they trying to really paint this guy as a bad guy? Because Enterprise traditionally has had a very hard time establishing clearly bad, bad guys that you have like no sympathy for. And I think by the end, you know, it's the right choice with the sheriff because of the way things end up shaking out. But, you know, listening to you kind of frame all this in terms of like, yeah, we we were brought here. We were enslaved. We were brought here to do slave things. We don't know if they're going to kill us. We don't know what kind of abuse is going on. Like, 
what was the last time? Oh, uh, what was the Space Texan episode of Voyager? I know what one you're talking about from season seven. Like the writers, like what, what moral high ground with real life parallels are we going for here? Because I don't think this is the story happening the way you want the story to happen. I don't think that this was a mixed message situation like with the Space Texans where your minority wrongly accused guy was actually correctly accused all along and was actually the 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 stone cold irredeemable sociopath out of the the slavery angles in here although again the skags aren't really slaves they're just second class citizens and it seems to me like they're free to come and go but there's very clear rules for the the western people in how they are allowed to interact with the Skags. And I'm guessing, too, if the Skags were to get too prosperous, they'd probably send raiding parties in to, to go bust their stuff up. No doubt. Regardless, the takeaway from the conversation is that this isn't two-dimensional evil bad guy government at play. And this is the sheriff's really the top dog that we see in this. There might be mayors or governors or something else out there, but for all intents and purposes, this guy is the establishment. Which makes sense, because that's always the case in a Western. It's always the sheriff who's usually the authority, no matter what. And I think that his sympathy as a character is exactly what they intended. Uh, You know, he's laying out a pretty compelling case as to why, like, the rules are the way they are. He is attempting to perhaps play it off a little bit more softly and not have them be abused or denigrated. But at the same time, they're the ones who brought us here. They're the ones that are responsible for the situation we find ourselves in, and we cannot allow them to master this technology again that we don't have any fucking idea how it works. So why not just make sure they don't know how to even fucking read, right? Like I've also gone and said, hey, we're not monsters. We didn't just genocide. I'm like, they're out there. We we won the war. We won the fight. We let them live. and Yeah, we spared them. <clears throat> yeah, we're not. This isn't a monstrous area here. There is still civilization. I'm not really sure what the chain of events are here. Does, does he tell Archer just to get lost at that point? He does. And then Archer decides to go back to the jail. One punch man's the deputy gets the school teacher out of prison. Then there is a moment here as they do that, that I noticed and even thought to myself, and that's a weird thing that they just did. And it's actually in the memory alpha. And I was so happy to see this. Goes in, grabs a school teacher. It's like, we're, I'm jailbreaking you. This is a Star Trek episode. That's what we do. <laughs> and I'm tired of people jailbreaking aliens out of my ship. I'm going to jailbreak an alien <laughs> yeah. out of a foreign prison. Good. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> I'm going to bring some people out of jail. I'm going to feel good about it. They do a dissolve by with a wipe. Yes, it was terrible. And like, what the fuck was that? I that saw is it. not something Star Trek does ever. It's Western, though. Exactly. That's why I assume they did it because it was a Western. It's the same reason there's a film grain. They point out like, what does this wipe dissolve? <laughs> like, that, so, is, that is not something that this happens in Star Trek. This is not house style. The sheriff's like, get the fuck out of here. I'm a reasonable guy. Leave. Well, what about the school teacher? She's gotten warned about this stuff before. She knows the consequences. She's going to prison for 10 years. Sucks, but thumbs the rules. And that's when Archer's like, I love getting involved in other races problems. And, you know, as long as there's not a bunch of little kids that are going to be dying and suffering, I'm happy to stay involved. 
unlike the Mr. Rogers aliens of Dear Doctor. I'm furious when I'm watching this. I'm like, the dude's going to go fucking steal her out of jail and just punch the deputy and just white knighting, I guess, like beam her out. You don't have to do any of this. Just beam her out. Punches a guy. (laughs) And that's a fucking stupid part. So instead of just beaming her out of jail and being about your way, uh, he stages this big miraculous jailbreak, forgetting that all these guys are strapped with guns and he's just one man and could get fucked up with some old school uh, black powder pistols. They're riding off. Uh, You know, evil deputy goes to shoot at Archer and said, like, Blows a hole in Bethany. She flies off the wagon. Archer jumps down. Everybody stops shooting at the guy. Yeah, like, hey, just no, to shoot. Stop. I, you, the person I intended to use this weapon on, stay Instead right there. Instead of him just catching all of the lead, he runs down over her. Oh, my gosh. Gets the communicator out. And then there, in the middle of, like, town square, beams up to Enterprise anyways. So obviously this has a major impact on the rest of the story. Of course it does. It's a ramrod. Everyone has witnessed what has happened. Uh, they get back to the ship. We have our normal filter on. Flox uh, treats Bethany, the school teacher, um, who, you know, is not promised survival, but it does it does seem like it's going to be uh, trending towards success in terms of her recovery. Uh, but this is when we find out there's been interbreeding between the uh, Skagarans and the humans, at least uh, over the last couple generations. And they all start to talk over, okay, so what do we do? Right. I beamed out in front of them. They, they know, they know, they know something. And I, we've got one of them. We've got to like tie this up and then we need to get the fuck out of here because we can't afford to spend time shipping 6,000 people back to earth. We're in the middle of our little bug hunt. Now know? all of a sudden the Zindi crisis matters. Yeah, like oh, oh yeah. I guess Earth is in danger, so we should probably get back. Didn't on matter that. enough when we, you know, went down here to fuck around for shore leave, but now it matters. Everything in this episode prior to this point is essentially trash, exemplified by the fucking transporter ignoring the transporter and then using the transporter to create this debacle. From here forward, things get considerably better because now it's how do we handle this? I could have really appreciated it if they had discussed Terra Nova. Uh, because this is the same moral quandary they ran into before. These are descendants of Earth uh, who deserve to be back on Earth. They don't have the conversation in this episode. Is it appropriate to bring these people back? Is it what they would want? Could they integrate into society? And some of that's in there in terms of like, can these guys quit being racist and and integrate? Unlike Terra Nova, where it's like, these guys are feral. And right. They're not, don't- they're not remotely civilized. These dudes have a lot more hope. <clears throat> You know, you think you can see a path towards like straightening them out Mm -hmm. enough time and exposure to like the way things are now. But I would really like to have that conversation between Archer and Paul. Like, you know, here you find yourself in this position again. Do you bring, uh, you know, wayward sons of Earth back? So Archer goes, all right, uh, we're going to break the masquerade. There's there's no hiding this. And we're going to go the showboat approach. And they come down in the shuttle pod. They do a big flyover over the town. They drop down in town square. Archer gets out. Everybody's in their uniform. And they out pops Makos. the worst Makos. Listen, uh, the worst? there's the one of the Makos is very effective. <laughs> not really. Uh, they're all pretty trash. A bunch of fucking hayseeds with pea shooters. Get the leg up on them. Every single opportunity possible. The, I don't know. The, the brunette 
and with the sniper scope, like mm-hmm. lays out like five of them. <laughs> Meanwhile, she allows uh, Paul to get kidnapped right next to her. Real bad situational awareness. Listen, uh, snipers, you're you're checking everyone else's Overwatch, right? You're up in that elevated position. It's the Rangers' job to take care of the guy that's closing into melee. They suck. These are the bad makers. Okay, I, I had to squeeze it in. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone who likes XCOM. Appreciate you. So, uh, Archer gets out. A, bring out the sheriff. It turns out I'm an enlightened spaceman from the future, and I'm also a really big deal, and I shall lord my authority over you. Luckily, peon, you shared whiskey and were nice to me, but your deputy, he's got some shit coming for him. McCready comes out, meets him. Archer goes off for a little uh, backdoor private room meeting with... uh... That sounds lewd. I'm using vampire talk here. Backdoor backroom meetings. That's when the important people go off and talk and leave all the plebes out in the the street. And McCready is a reasonable guy. Okay, cool. That, You're from Earth. Okay, I, I buy that. I kind of like. Also, too, there's not really a masquerade here. They're not. There's there's no. Archer's not breaking any prime directive. These humans know this is not Earth, and they were abducted, and that aliens are out there. They don't have cool technology themselves, but they know what's going on. They know Earth is out there, and this is kind of like exciting. Even uh, McCready's like, you know, I never even, you know, part of me didn't even believe Earth was real. We thought it was like creation myth, but that's really awesome. I mean, they we get to leave. There were aliens and there were spacecraft that literally have evidence of these things, but and I guess it is a bit of like, oh, the whole Earth thing is right. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's. Neat. He buys it immediately and is like, okay, uh, you're from New York. I certainly know what that is. I know what San Francisco is. Okay. Buying your story, you know, things. And Archer's like, okay, you know, I can't get you home right now. We'll figure something out down the road. But, you know, it's been a lot of time. Things are different. We have spaceships now. I'm sure you noticed. Like, you're going to have to not hate aliens. Hope you're aware of that. Here's, of them. <laughs> here's the big Star Trek trope they completely avoid is that point where it's like, I don't want to give up my ancestral home. My grandfather's built this place. We'll die when the volcano goes off. We don't care. Now they're like, oh, that sounds awesome. Let's go. <laughs> like This place kind of sucks. Let's get the Please, fuck out of here. We're dying of Lyme disease and <laughs> scurvy. Take <laughs> us home. Uh, actually, we're not ready to take him. Then why did you come down here and tell us? You've just given us false hope. I'm come from this semi-utopian future where everything's great and the planet's like been like it's it's super well organized now. There's no war. You We've got water and splendor. shade. You know, air like conditioning, all all kinds of cool. Stuff. Like, oh, awesome! Are you taking this back? No, <laughs> like, you got to stay here for a while. We're at war with uh, you know. Earth might get blown up and we're in a do or die. I need, you know, we're on this real badass mission. Yeah, we're badasses too. We overthrow fucking aliens and we're all rough and tumble. You could use this as shock troops. No, I don't think you understand. This is Star Trek. We're not allowed to like increase our crew size as we encounter things. Another great thing they could have done in this episode. If they brought the old West Sheriff with them. Fuck yeah. Just, <laughs> that would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> move over, uh, Amelia Earhart Navigator. You could have. Oh, man, that's what I need is fucking McCready to look at uh, Reed and be like, son, why are you holding that pistol like that? 
I'm going to show you how to hold a gun. Uh, I'm going to show you how to shoot a six shooter like a man. Yeah, so stop holding that gun like a sissy. <laughs> Let's get this so, square, square you away. So here, all right. Why, why can I, why does this colony have to persist the way it is? Why are we not bringing people back? Why are we not calling Earth to say, hey, listen, by the way, which they should be able to communicate with Earth, right? They lay down buoys. Right. I needed a conversation here between Trip and Archer or to Paul and Archer saying it's very possible that this might become a backup human colony. We need to leave this thing here, especially had we not wasted everybody's goddamn time with uh, was it extinction? What was the no, the twilight? Was that the one where the, the bad ending? Oh, Twilight, yeah. Had Archer brought any of that stuff back with him? Like, there's a real chance we are going to fail. Earth and all the known colonies are going to be wiped out. This could become the last bastion of humanity. That's so, that's how you make this fucking bullshit nonsense fit in. Either that or give him some sort of MacGuffin, right? Like, the the I, I think your option is better. Like, if he remembers some piece of Twilight and he's like, Let's not tell Earth about this because we need to make sure no one knows oh, this exists. Oh, you know, let's keep this oh. quiet because I know what it's going to happen if we fail, and I want humanity to persist. Or we trace the Zindi MacGuffin to this place, and Sheriff McGrady is the one that can give it to me, and I have to like talk him into it. And this is where that exchange happens, or whatever. Or he's got like some sort of genetic code because his ancestor overthrew something. Like you could have written your way into that. Um, it might have been make the Zindi have kidnapped these guys somehow. And the Zindi are the second class citizens here. And this reinforces Archer further. And we need to be civil. We, you know, we cannot let this happen. We need to be better. Blah, blah, blah. That that's how you would have tied that in with the fucking Zindi stuff. But I do like the idea of a backup earth colony. That's off the books or, Hey, we might, you know, it might just, if you're going to put it in season three and earth is on the line, a secret human colony deserves some sort of a conversation about this. Regardless, after their conversation is over, which is good. Again, highlights of this episode of the two Archer McCready conversations uh, is uh, you can't end your Western without a good old fashioned shootout. Oh, by the way, the deputy quit. Yeah, Deputy quit. Deputy got his gang together. Deputy wants to kill all the aliens. Sheriff's like, like, as long as you work for me, we're doing things the good guy way. And the deputy's like, I guess I don't work for you anymore, bitch. (laughs) Throws the star at him. And a classic, class, classic, classic. But we got to have the shootout. So, of course, he's got to roll up with his gang. Which Uh, was like quadrupled in size at this point. He immediately shoots the sheriff in the shoulder. One of two major shoulder wounds that will occur in this mm-hmm. scene. And there's there's the Mexican standoff. Everyone's got guns pointed at each other. Uh, Reed's once again holding it like it's a, a fencing sword. Like it's and covered in maple syrup and it's disgusting. <laughs> it's a melting popsicle. He doesn't want to get any on him. A door and swings open and we're off to the races. Someone makes the wrong move. Uh, gets zapped and then it is shootout time. This is a unfortunate reversion to the crappy enterprise gunfights <laughs> because it's a lot of sit behind cover and shoot at each other action, except one side has ray guns and it seems like it, they would win very quickly, but they just don't because they want dramatic tension. I so- watched the Mako guys 
literally come out of the ceiling on zip lines and eradicate an entire mining colony worth of evil slave driver guards. Yes. And a bunch yes. of dudes missing teeth give these two dickhead Makos a run for the money. <laughs> three. Three dickhead Makos. Were there three? The yeah. Like they get a couple easy shots off, but like there's no tactics. There's no nothing. Like I said, at some point, some guy just sneaks up behind to Paul, who has a great sense of smell. And I'm sure these guys smell like vinegar dick, right? Oh. What one one nice note in this episode is when Trip barters for the horse. They don't emphasize in any dialogue, but if you're watching the scene, Tapal is fucking horrified by the horse. She's got a disgusted look and she doesn't want to get near it because it smells. And I assume because it smells. And she's got that reaction of like, I can't stand oh, whatever's going on here, like I can't stand the stench. It's just all on her face. And she just plays it that way in the scene. There's a scene later on where Archer gets in a fist fight with the bad guy. And they're rolling around under a horse. I'm like, where's all the horse poop? This is so fake. <laughs> it's the alien horse. It's the exo horses. They have three dicks and they don't shit. So, <laughs> so uh, the the, the one Mako during- that racks up a body count is the one who proposed the sniper scope on, on her on her rifle mm-hmm. and just starts blasting dudes. Kind of lackadaisically, but it's like, all right, get you, get you get you it's like she's like slowly killing them all because you know she wants the other guys to get target practice or something i liked the phaser blasts off the phase pistols like they shoot a watering trough a couple times and like the water jumps as the phaser hits it as if there's a physical projectile going in do you how do you feel about that scientifically is that how our is phaser light or it's a particle weapon right it is so there is force behind a phaser shot. Hmm. I think when if you think about how the phaser is portrayed, rather than like dig too deep on what they say it is, it is consistently portrayed as a weapon with force. Right? It's not merely a cutting beam. It is a concussive. Feel, there's an impact to it, like cyclops punches from the punch dimension. <laughs> that's a good act it's an accurate way of describing it is actually cyclops's powers like whatever that is is what the phaser is and it hits it hits it like it moves things like especially when there's shield impact and you see ships move from getting hit by a phaser blast mm, true yes there is uh and that's you know ship grade so there's some cool phaser sh- stuff here like it's a lazy shitty fight but then when uh archer's running up and there's like a guy on the patio above him and he puts the phaser setting up and then like cuts a hole in the floor so the floor collapses and the guy comes down that was pretty cool i do like that he switches while the guy's like struggling on the ground he switches his phaser back to stun and then just jams him in the chest with it nice Uh, attention to detail there i liked that part i want to talk when we do picard tomorrow about the difference in on-screen death Berman era versus what we see in Picard because as hokey and corny as this stuff is, it still feels better than just like the fucking cold, harsh reality of space where you get in Picard. Um, I do appreciate, however, right after Archer cuts a hole in the floor and takes that guy down, he gets his fucking shoulder blown off. <laughs> then he has to have, it's actually a very interestingly choreographed fight with the deputy in the stables because <laughs> they keep his shoulder wound in 
mind for the whole fight. So he's basically stuck only using his right hand. And the other guy's just literally like, I'm just going to keep punching your shoulder wound over and over again. Like a, like an, like a, a, a true antagonist. Like, ah, hit the weak point. It's glowing red. Mm-hmm. Uh, little does the guy, the, the evil deputy know as they're having their aforementioned horse fight. Not only does Archer have the ability to hit him with the right hand, he has several seasons worth of uh, quantum leap under his belt. So he's got a lot of kicks to give this guy. Oh, yes, there is. A, there is all some, the karate. There is. A, there's some some Brazilian jiu jitsu level <laughs> trying to get the legs in there uh, and, and subdue this guy. And inter, intercut with this is that uh, the last of the goons, as you mentioned, gets to Paul in a classic Western a hostage stance. Gets the gun on him. Grabs her by the arm and completely incapacitates. It's the spot. It's the spot that enables all women. Mm-hmm. And that it just it just enfeebles women the moment you grab it. Oh, I'm sorry. What? You you have the strength of a gorilla that has a strength of three gorillas? Not on my watch, ma'am. Let me grab you by the arm. That shit even works on 79, <clears throat> so I'm in. I know. I <laughs> again, Picard, I'm watching her completely worthless in every foot. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't want to let you peek behind the paywall here. <laughs> the fact that DePaul doesn't fucking neck pinch a single person is a crime. Yeah. All these all these yeah. rodeo posse okay, yeah. goons and she doesn't pop a single one of them on the fucking neck. Lame as fuck. And then the solution to the the, the standoff is that Reed just shoots DePaul and then kind of does one of those. Womp womp, and then shoots the guy. That is the second. That is the second no time, problem, by the way, in this episode. As the consequences of Reed shooting his boss. <laughs> a second time. The first time he shot her when she was real horny. Back in uh, what was that? Whatever the one where she was trying to fuck uh, flocks and flocks. Then yeah, and then gets out on and so and then he shoots her here. Has she shot him yet? <laughs> some point she needs to so who shot her in uh in in uh the zombie movie archer did didn't he yeah see for a while to paul was in the lead uh in the competition of who can shoot their co-worker the most the the seven of nine uh trials yes she shot trip twice trip hasn't shot in her a single time and that's a real crime uh, but yeah at this point Archer shot her at least once. This is the second time on Reed. Uh, Mayweather and Hoshi are no longer a part of the show, unfortunately, so they're ineligible. (laughs) (laughs) They've been relegated. It's like soccer in Europe. (laughs) In the lesser leagues now. Did she shoot anybody in the the Bird People episode? Hoshi? No. Or T'Pol? No. So... If I recall, it's like the flame troopers, right? That's who she would have shot. Yeah. If she, the Makos show up and wipe those guys out. The Makos yeah. are the ones that do the shooting. I'll be curious to see if any of the Makos get to shoot her next. Yeah, no follow up on that at all. She's just she gets stunned so bad. She's gone the rest of the episode, I think. That is correct. But with all of the bad guys down, we have our, our crowning scene on Enterprise with the school teacher who's like kind of doing the whole can't believe we're 
Well, you can see the planet. I'm looking down from the ship. It's first contact. Ugh. Yeah, except not because they're really humans. And sure, you get the classic wrap up, of course, of that McCready being a reasonable man, you know, knowing the circumstances that they now find themselves in, that they got to prepare themselves for rejoining the rest of humanity, um, are going to agree to integrate the the Skagarans into their society, uh, certainly allow them to be taught within the school. And indeed, apparently, this deal comes with some educational material for the schoolmaster to use to like. Some free iPads. Yeah, like <laughs> get acquainted with what happened the last couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we 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 start with the the Wright brothers. Apparently, I like that McCready shows up at the end. Is like I too would like to see what the flying. I love lo- like. that's the best part of the episode. Like, like who wants to see us? I do. Here, we get some iPads. Uh, we'll give you guys some penicillin and uh, I don't know. Here's the some refrigerators or something. If this whole Zindi thing works out, we'll be back. If you don't hear back from us. Sorry, <laughs> like you're probably safer this way. Yeah, if you, if you never hear from us again, congratulations. This is now the new earth. What I needed was the real ending, which is uh, where we cut in close on the deputy's face, the former deputy's face, and then pan out. And now he has a noose around his head and uh, the sheriff's there with his arm in a sling and says, nobody shoots me shoots his gun and then the deputy's horse runs away and hangs him the same way he lynched the skag earlier on. It's true. Their fate is left entirely unmentioned. We don't know what happened to him in the gang. Uh, we don't know what happened with the ball after he got stunned by Reed. We just wrap up the main story and then we're out of here. Yeah, there's a real theme about shooting your boss in here. There is a lot of bosses get shot. I think this episode is a, you know, pretty good enterprise episode. If it was season two, there's no fucking business being in season three, uh, but it is a classic of the Trek genre. I actually intended originally to have this one beat the Australians joined us on to keep up with the idea that they're with us when on like weird ethnic episodes, <laughs> you know, like when they did the, the, uh, when they did Fairhaven with us, I was like, <laughs> do the Western, <laughs> the, the, the Cowboys and aliens one. The cool part here is, again, lost humans and how Archer interacts with them. Unfortunately, just there's so much stupid shit here. Why is Enterprise down on the planet in the first place? Why is Archer going off and needlessly getting in these fistfights when he could just beamed her out of jail only to resort to beaming her out after all? A bad gunfight that still has some cool parts. I don't know. I'll call this one a meh at best. I think it goes from mad to good because it just Archer and McCready work really well. Like that interaction, those two scenes, they're solid. Like when, when McCready's in charge, it has a certain tenor. And then when Archer's in charge, it has a certain tenor and both of them deliver on the key thing that the episode does well, which is how does Archer deal with the circumstance? And frankly, how do the, the, the unwilling colonists deal with it? So I did like uh, the evil deputy. He he was a good little weasel. Does this guy have any other um, credits in Star Trek by any chance? Well, let's take a look. Deputy Bennings was portrayed by James Parks. God, tell me he's in Fairhaven, please. Uh, Val. Val was. Oh, that was from uh, that was from the shoot. He was like the brother. Look at him. 
He's he just loves a good jailbreak episode. That's all. That's it. That's it. Just, yeah, he was one of the brother and sister combo that uh, with the actual terrorists. They got Tom and and uh, we we had an award the the most likely to fold under pressure award. Those guys <laughs> fucking gave up the goods with like the most minimal of needling from Janeway. Uh, let's see where are we going after this one, Joe. We're gonna go into. Season three, episode 10. Similitude. Correct. There's a young boy with a high standing collar jacket. So this is some sort of uh, Hitler youth group, I'm assuming. During an engine performance test, Trip Tucker is critically injured and left comatose in sickbay. Flock suggests that Tucker's only hope for survival is a creation of a mimetic symbiote. In other words, a clone, the crew and Trip's clone have to face the unforeseen emotional ramifications of this creation. <clears throat> That's some real sci-fi. This is like one I've seen as one of the best Enterprise episodes. So okay. really very interested in your take. Yeah. Because as, as soon as, as it... like, this is a like Star Trek does moral complexity quite well. Because with a uh, trip getting knocked into a coma after an accident, this thing's flirting dangerously close with shades of gray clip show here. So I'm glad to hear we go. <laughs> opposite directions if i was going to characterize this episode before we watch it in any one particular way would be what if they did two vix without a completely batshit ending (laughs) like what what if what if you have these really complex moral questions but instead characters don't act entirely ridiculous at the end of it has enterprise had well i guess dear doctor was a complex moral episode what else have they done that hasn't just been an action show with some sci-fi elements. Anything jumping out at you? Hmm. Maybe uh, Rogue Planet. Maybe even the episodes I would say are good or even great have action elements to them. Well, action can be fine. I'm just saying, like a a dilemma with some real gravity maybe uh the i mean i would say that like impulse dilemma with real gravity real choices real questions but obviously very action oriented which one was impulse uh there's the zombies there's a zombie uh uh yeah i guess the expanse like the end of season two like i guess that one doesn't necessarily have an action element i guess no it does the klingons that's Duras. They had to fight Duras off. Oh, uh, the Klingon trial one. That one was great. Yeah, and but it, that it, was outside of Archer's control. I had one I was just thinking of. The the, the hard hitters are not there. Uh, Terra Nova, I guess. That was definitely with Archer having to make choices. The Klingon one, I think he definitely had less agency. He was more just along for the ride and supplying a moral voice. But I still think that one counts. Like he really had to bond with that lawyer, and you know he 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 learned things. He imparted uh, a, a a sort of new sense of of purpose to his lawyer. I I think you can you can say that one in particular. Maybe fortunate son too. Trucker space justice. Yeah, that. Hmm. Although, like that one's just weird because. Of the way that they get trapped by the no, truck. Shadows of Pajem. Or 
was the incident? The Andorian incident. Andorian first, incident. Yeah. Yeah. The Andorian incident is the one where they actually go to the monastery. Although that is a pretty straightforward moral choice there. I, I don't know. I Enterprises certainly do. I think for a real, what a mess. I don't know how to handle this. And this will supply it. I can't wait to watch it with you, sir. And we'll see you everybody next week. 